You know, mm-hmm. you're allowed to hear mm-hmm. Ramdas say something and be like, I don't love that. And still love Ramdas. You're allowed to, you know, like the chanting and not understand any of the Krishna stories. That's me. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. And that's, I think, how we can all develop our own spirituality. You know, we're put in such boxes when it comes to occupation, when it comes to politics, when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to religion. You're allowed to, you should do the things that make you feel good, that enable you to be a good person, to help other people. And, you know, it's sometimes you're going to be getting from a bunch of different places and that's fucking okay. Hey, everyone. It's Raghu back with Mind Rolling, and I'm here with Jamie Kilstein. Hey, bud. Nice to see you again. Haven't seen Jamie in a year and a half or so. Yeah. Because he moved to Austin with all the other podcasters. It is. The Joe uh, Rogan, Aubrey Marcus family. It is legally required if you are a white male in entertainment to move to Austin and start a podcast. Yeah. Well, isn't it Elon? Elon moved there too. Elon Musk. Elon, yep. Elon is angrily tweeting somewhere around me, I assume. Um, <laughs> so he, he, he he's around. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I it's funny because everyone in Austin complains about LA people while Austin slowly is becoming LA and they don't notice that as they're complaining, it's like, you know, the killer's inside the house the whole time. It's a little bit of that. Um <laughs> But I mean, Austin is, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. And, uh, it seemed like, it seemed like a good place where you could get uh, a thriving art and music and comedy scene, but also go escape and sit by a waterfall, which, you know, I lived in New York most of my life. So I didn't get the, uh, I didn't get the healthy stuff. I just got, you know, doing shows and smoking cigarettes outside till three in the morning. Oh, lovely. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, any the last time I talked to Jamie, though, uh, we just caught up about stuff. And, and one of the things he told me was, you know, he came to some kind of impasse for various reasons in Austin mm-hmm. and decided, and what? tell me the story. You got an offer to go to Hawaii and, and, and live what you thought was going to be an idyllic kind oh, of situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I... I had uh, I had a breakup. Um, I had a pretty brutal breakup, but it was a it was a quick relationship. But everything was intense, and I have this new working theory that sometimes those relationships hit you the hardest because everything is so intense that it doesn't have time to be boring. You know what I mean? Like we just fell in love right away and moved in right away and it was intense, intense. And then we broke up right away. And, mm-hmm. and you know, in, in, in relationships that like, there was no time for it to fizzle out or either of us to get bored. It was just everything, everything. You're the only one. And then it was just, it was gone. It was just gone. <laughs> and zero that, to hundred and back zero to hundred and back. So Along the same along the same lines, instead of me being like, "All right, well, I'll just stay in Austin and uh, you know maybe go on some dates and rebound," I was like, "I'm going to Hawaii to live on a farm," and that is what I did. I went and I I, I lived. Wait, on a- somebody just called you and went, "Hey." I got a great farm here. Come on over. I mean, what it's happened? even it's even weirder than that. But like, I don't, I don't want to use. I don't want to yeah, use keep names. the yes, yes, no uh, names. A fame, a famous person, and they knew people on a farm. And you know, I mean, what what maybe more relatable 
for your audience, because I'm figuring out ways to make my insane life relatable for podcasts, because I do a podcast as well, where you don't want to be like, you guys, you guys know the situation that everyone gets into where you have a breakup and you get your acoustic guitar and you flee to the big island. Um, I okay, think- podcast name. We got to have oh, that. Because uh, I podcast- forgot to even introduce you. Nobody. That's your okay, bud. You're just a some, friend. I'm that's, just some the most- lunatic rambling about going to a farm after Amy left me. They don't know Amy. Um, the uh, My podcast is called, so I'm a comedian. Um, my podcast is called A Fuck Up's Guide to the Universe. Uh, you have been on it. Uh, John Cleese from Monty Python was just oh, on it. Wow. And, He's you know, we talked, he, oh, he was the best. Uh, we talk about self help. I mean, I had a really famous porn star on after my breakup to help me with my <laughs> breakup. The podcast <laughs> is kind of all over the place. Yeah, really. It is fun, know, fun stuff, though. It, Jamie it's fun. is nothing but fun. Okay. Oh, thanks, and that's buddy. why I love hanging with you, really. Well, and I know, and I, I enjoy talking to you so much. And you've actually given me some really helpful advice, but to, to kind of make it relatable for people listening is I feel like when you discover whatever you want to call it, spirituality, um, things beyond the material world, mm. there's this there, at least with me and, and, and don't get me wrong. I have an addictive personality, but there's, there's part of you where you feel like you've been lied to for so long. I mean, shit, you went to India, right? Where you just go, I got to get out of here. Like you have to overcorrect. And I've been doing stand-ups. No, no. Can I just say that I have to rebut that? Yes, please. Because that wasn't the reason. The reason was more or less that you're walking down the street and minding your own business. And then someone bumps into you and goes, you know, there's this great ice cream shop. It's called (laughs) Haagen-Dazs. And it's just around the corner. You should go there. So I went to the Haagen-Dazs store mm-hmm. and i was just in bliss eating this ice cream that was it. okay so that's what happened to me oh i met ramdas no. and then i wanted more of that ice cream well you i mean i guess i'm talking about more you know you were sort of blessed with this like really great opportunity i didn't have offers and i think there are a lot of people who will hear you or hear old ramdas talks and just go okay how can i do that now, right? Like I just turned 40 last week and I already kind of have this life. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure you've met a lot of people who do it for the wrong reasons. They don't want to confront their own bullshit and they just go, I'm just going to go to India and that'll fix it. Or I'll, I mean, for me, I I literally thought I was finally going to be in a place to not move too fast and get into a healthy relationship. Cause I'm like, I've meditated for a year. I got this. I'm enlightened now. It's cool. (laughs) And then, you know, I mean, and we had, we had a good breakup and it was way healthier than, you know, old Jamie would have handled it. But a lot of the same patterns and you go, ah, fuck, I'm still doing it. And so, you know, I guess for me being in entertainment for so long and, you know, you take enough general meetings in Los Angeles and you're trying to sell yourself and you're getting validation from the audience and you have to go on social media, even though, you know, it's making you more depressed, et cetera, et cetera. There was part of me that I just completely wanted to disappear. I was like, I'm going to go to a farm for a year, maybe forever. In my head, I was like, I turned 40. Okay, first half of my life, did some cool shit. Friends with Robin Williams, played the Sydney Opera House, did dope stuff, got to play some music. And then the second half, I'm just going to be on a farm and I'm going to give back to my Hawaiian ancestors and, you know, whatever. And I, dude, the last job I had, I was like fired from, uh, from dishwashing at 15. And they still say I was the worst dishwasher uh, they ever had. <laughs> like they, they literally still talk about it. And 
then, you know, there was another, another option. There was this Zen temple that I think me and you talked about that was in Hawaii. Very, it wasn't really spiritual. It was just a lot of meditation, manual labor, meditation, manual labor. And in my head, that's what I was going to do. And instead of fixing my relationships, I was going to be celibate and that that'll, that'll fix it. And (laughs) when I went out to the farm and there was some really beautiful stuff. I mean, the island is beautiful. The chanting, like Kirtan is beautiful. And I've never played guitar doing Kirtan before. I've only just awkwardly chanted trying to, to pronounce things wrong. And it was awesome. It was so powerful and cathartic, but very quickly. By the way, just to say, because you just mentioned something I think is really uh, important for many people who maybe want to get into kirtan and they, but they play guitar and they're playing more folk or whatever it is. Uh, Jai Utah is a perfect mm. example right now. He's playing a lot of kirtan using his. I mean, he's a master musician. I mean, he oh, was a awesome. disciple of Ali Akbar Khan, one of the world's greatest musicians ever. And but check out Jai because okay. that'll inspire you. And not you, but anybody who's listening. No, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, well, related I, to Kirtan with guitar. Well, and just on that note too, I think that, you know, it's like I tell people who ask me about jujitsu or about comedy where it's, you know, people are so scared just to start or they think they're going to do it wrong. And it's like, you are going to do it wrong. But also there's no doing it wrong because doing it wrong yeah. is what's going to get it right. Because I remember the first time I went to Kirtan and I've been performing for 20 years. I was just like, I don't know what this shit means. Does that mean, you know, I'm doing it wrong? Is God mm, going to be yeah, mad yeah. at me? Yeah. These people look really cool. Like, just give me a drum and I can just hide in the corner. And it's not, you know, it's not about that. You just go and and you do it. But I think that what I'm, and I don't have any solid conclusions yet, but coming back from Hawaii, I'm kind of realizing that, you know, I think it's really important to find ways to get to Zen or to get quiet or to, you know, be here now with the stuff you love, whether you are a stay-at-home mom and dad, whether you are a musician, whether you are, you know, because it would almost be easier for me to go to a temple for a year and not make mistakes with girls or not drink or not, you know, whatever. But can you can you do that? Can you still stay kind and not jealous when you're in Los Angeles? Can you stay healthy <laughs> when, you know, I have two shows tomorrow night and one of them starts at 11 and is literally called the filthy show. It's like, can I not be a degenerate at that show? It's like, of course I, I won't at a temple. Although I feel also like I would be the kind of person that would try to unionize the temple. Uh, or it's like, we need benefits. Um, but I don't oh, back know. to the farm though. What happened? Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I know you want me to talk about this so bad. I can't, I don't <laughs> I want to say anything. I've been thinking about it nonstop. Since you? We <laughs> well, it was just, I had a similar uh, experience. Once. You know, uh, okay. They are, they, they were some of the kindest people I've ever met. It's just, I think, you know, like any sort of organized, I didn't know the difference. It until had a I fundamental asked. aspect. We can say that. Can well, we not? Fundamentalism was involved. I just didn't know. I didn't know the difference. Like I thought all Kirtan was sort of the same. I thought that, um, you know, I didn't really know the difference between what, let's say, you guys did and more like strict Hare Krishna. I think that 
the way I felt about the way I felt about that was kind of the same way I feel about all religion, where it's some of the traditions are so beautiful, right? Jesus helped the poor. Buddha talked about enlightenment. Um, go help your fellow man. Um, chant the name of God, whether it's you know Jesus or Krishna or whatever. I think all that is cool. It's when, whenever I start getting the religious lessons about, you know, and if you don't, or like, this is, uh, here are all the people that like killed, or here are all the people that, you know, the, mm. this dude fucked or whatever. And I'm like, I, that stuff I don't need. I, where I find religion and spirituality is really helpful is when you can tie it into your daily life that I'm already leading. It's very hard for a 40-year-old comedian when you go, oh man, what should I do about my breakup? And they're like, go to Krishna. And I'm like, uh, well, no, that's not, that's not Amy. Um, or like what, uh, you know, I, Hey, I need to, I need to go to the gym to work out for my mental health. It's like, no, 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 just Krishna. And I'm like, ah, but I also, I also gotta, I also gotta run. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, I think that adding religion, I mean, the same with anything, right? With religion, with psychedelics, with adding it to a already healthy life where you are self-aware and you are working on yourself is so positive, but I don't think it can be a replacement, you know, because then, and not these people, but just, you know, I've seen it growing up with people in my family with Christianity or whatever, you can use it as an excuse or a scapegoat to kind of not do anything and be like, ah, you know, God's got a plan. That's why I relapsed or God has a plan. That's why I'm, you know, I forgot to pick you up from soccer or like whatever the fuck it is. The old bypass. That's what it is. And I think we talked about a lot of bypass. I mean, and that's just fundamental to everything that is polarized, including whatever particular tradition one may or may not be involved with. But I, uh, Here's why I loved the story. So, yeah. I mean, how long I mean, have you spent got there? a very uncensored on the phone, Jamie having a breakdown, uh, saying <laughs> things that I can't say on a podcast story. We should put that up on like some one of our Patreons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, that's our paywall. Anyhow, but the bottom line was, of course, how long were you there? In Hawaii? Uh, only a couple weeks. And then, oh, I, and then I thought me and my girlfriend were going to get back together. That was another thing. I couldn't even throw myself into it because uh, my ex... And, you know, like I said, we're, we're on a fine terms, but like she, uh, she saw I was killing it. And then she started to slide into my DMs and, and talking to me again. And then she was like, you should come, you should come back. You should come back and we should be together and you should move back in. And I said, oh, so long, Krishna. And I grabbed all my stuff <laughs> and I, I fled and I, I left. And then uh, on the plane ride back, she talked to her friends who I don't know. I don't know her friends. And I, I literally landed, dude. I landed in Austin with my stupid acoustic guitar, like a sad inside Lewin Davis and my dumb little backpack. <laughs> and she's not, I went from, I'm moving back in with the love of my life to like, I don't even have a ride from the airport. Like I, <laughs> it was like, I talked to them and they, they don't think it's a good idea. And I was like, well, it's happening. So, and then that's when, you know, it was really cool. That's when I decided kind of out of desperation, but I doubled down on comedy, which I'd never, 
done. You know, I talked to my friend Paul, who was featured in that new amazing um, George Carlin documentary on oh. HBO Max. Oh, I haven't seen Avatar that. Wow. It's phenomenal. And, you know, Kelly Carlin, George's daughter, I is a really good friend Kelly. of mine. She, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you do. Right. Yeah. Um, you guys do cross uh, circles. Yeah. She wore we her and Paul podcast, gave, yeah. gave me my first TV appearance. Oh, wow. And so Kelly's always been uh, huge for me. And obviously her dad was. And, um, and I was watching, I was watching that and, oh, so, so Paul, who was in that, he goes, man, every time your life falls apart, every time you have a breakup, every time he goes, you run away from comedy. I'm going to go to a temple. I'm going to go to a farm. I'm going to go teach jujitsu, whatever. And he's like, that's when you need to run towards your art is when things mm. do suck is when they mm. do hurt is when they are really scary. And I, I, I haven't done that a lot. You know, I have ran away a lot and, and, and telling myself it's for the greater good. And, you know, comedy is the thing that, you know, the reason I'm in this mess or, or whatever. In the first it, place. <laughs> exactly. And this time I was like, how can I go towards comedy while still pursuing this spiritual path while still, you know, being an athlete and not being a complete degenerate like I used to be at comedy clubs. I mean, I wasn't that bad, but compared to where I am now. And uh, and I started going towards comedy and man, I've had so many weird coincidences and spiritual moments and, you know, feeling Robin or even when I was in Maui, I, I, I called Kelly and she, I haven't finished the documentary yet, but she's like, you know, it ended in Maui. That was where we her and her dad kind of reconciled. And, you know, there were just all of these signs telling me to keep going towards that. And in a bizarre way, I feel like I'm finding more of myself and closer to God or closer to just following the right path, doing stand-up in nightclubs than I was when I was trying to force it Mm. on a cushion or buying new books and half retaining them because I heard someone on a podcast or, you know, being like, I am a spiritual person. Um, in a weird way, all the spirituality, all of these really beautiful present moments I'm having are coming way more naturally mm. just doing stand-up or playing music, uh, which is bizarre. And I'm still kind of working through it. Well, the, th the, the thing is that there, there isn't the world... And spirituality. Right. Religion doesn't come into it. Whenever you say religion, I'm like, what is he talking about? That's out. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah, that's just an organized way to control people is religion, yes. basically. Yes, yes. Um, very well said. So, uh, but it, it's just, there is only one thing. I always, I had this dialogue with Duncan Trussell um, yeah. very briefly sometime back because he was talking about. that guy I haven't met yet. There's really? So many mutual yeah, friends. that's nuts. No, I know. We're both like messes. <laughs> I feel like it'll happen one day. He's an advanced mess now. <laughs> <laughs> He's a level 10 mess. Yeah. yeah. But it was about what it, he was saying, basically what you're saying now. Instead of focusing on, I got to get on the mat, can better not do that comedy festival, whatever. He, uh, it's it's about you loosening up and letting things be yes, and, and stuff just comes down the pike without you trying. And he was saying, so I'm letting go now of any kind of uh, discipline, particularly around whatever I was doing, meditate, whatever he was doing. 
and I'm just gonna just I'm a family man now. He's got another kid, and I'm just gonna let go into my family, and I'll I don't I'll just not look at spirituality. I mean, this is a very uh, generality. It's a yeah, you course. know what I'm how I'm describing it, but that's basically what he said. And you said it from from another point of view, which was yeah. I let go of you know thinking that i needed to seek after anything and i'm doing my dharma which is my work my comedic work and my work on i mean oh jamie is amazing at jujitsu by the yeah. way everybody and uh and you know all the things that make up your life which so there's a great thing in the ramayana that other text so the bhagavad gita you know comes from the bhagavatam and the story of krishna and so on and the uh, ramayana is the story of ram they both come from vishnu which is the preserver in the hindu pantheon anyhow there's a part in the ramayana where it it says something like tie into one string, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your friends, your work, your tie everything into one string, every piece of your life. And I'm being colloquial here. And tie that string to my feet. And through that, everything will happen perfectly yeah. the way it's supposed to happen. You know, so this is a classical Hindu text, and it can be attacked from all sorts of different ways in terms of the polarization. It immediately maybe creates a devotion, touching feet, string, tying, right, right. you know, all of that bullshit. I was having flashbacks to the farm. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Go back to the farm. You know, um, and by the way, I wanted to say something. I'll get, uh, get back at uh, it's all just to say, actually, that there is only one thing going on. And all of it is to get us free of That's all it. of the bullshit that we have going on. And to say, I'm not going to do a practice today. I'm going to do, uh, you know, I'm going to have some fun. Because you can't just, you know, whatever. It's just mind stuff. And believing in Dude, any of it is absolute poop. I, I am so glad you said that. So I've been thinking about this a ton. And I don't want to enable anyone by saying that and, you know, some 15-year-old sober alcoholics and I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to crack one open for Krishna or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, you have to be self-aware, right? If you find yourself going, oh, I don't need to meditate or I can drink a little bit and it starts to go off the rails, you have to have the willpower and the self-awareness, most importantly, to, to, to pull it back, you know? Um, well, I don't know well, if you're going to, you know, like the action of I'm going to do anything, I have to revert to a mentor of mine who used to give me the gears on a day-to-day -day basis. He was one of the closest beings to Neem Karoli Bob. We just did a movie that'll come out in the fall called Brilliant Disguise. Oh, that's the one Samadhi I saw the trailer for it. Yeah. That trailer was incredible. Yeah. So, Tuari. Uh, and he used to come over and, you know, whenever he saw I was going south, west, north, whatever, not present... And he would, you know, it's in the film, it might even be in the trailer, I'm not sure, but he, he would screw the screw back into my yeah. head to get me tightened up about, you know, and then he would say, my boy, if you think you are doing it, you are lost. Right. So that's a 
that's a major thing as well, obviously. Yeah. Well, and to what you were talking about with Duncan, I mean, this all ties together, which is, I think we think of distractions as quote unquote negative things, right? Drinking, video games, girls, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and Or boys. Girls or boys, yeah. Um, and there's, we don't think that things like meditation or, you know, can be a distraction because those are healthy things. But man, just like Duncan said, this is the first time I haven't meditated in like a month or two. And it's been great. It's been, it's been great. I was dreading meditating um, for so long and it did a lot of good for me and I'm sure I'll return to it. But what I noticed was focusing on the things that bring me joy, writing, playing music, jujitsu, performing. I have been, because I feel like I'm finally on the right path, I have been so much more meditative doing those things as opposed to, you know, I'd wake up, have my coffee, have an idea for a sketch or something to write and then be like, ah, fuck, I got to meditate. And then just begrudgingly finding my (laughs) stupid cushion. You know what I mean? Oh, hey, we got to do a t-shirt. I just thought of this. It's perfect. Hallmark uh, New Age spiritual t-shirt. Oh, fuck. I got to meditate. (laughs) Come on. Just Uh, someone angrily arms folded. uh, Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) That's perfect. No, we should do it. I got to do that. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And by the way, you know, the name of your podcast, if you put... And this is an idea. If you put that onto the front cover of a book and inside the book, I don't care what you put inside the book. Yeah. This kind of, you know, just us having this dialogue, you put that inside the book. But if you did that on the front cover, you, uh, I mean, I can't tell you how well these books. I know. Well, what was so funny is I pitched a while ago to an agency writing a self-help book on call that a fuck up. Oh, I was going to call it a fuck up's guide to self-help instead of yeah, the universe. Perfect. But this is before the subtle art of giving a fuck came out that Mark yeah. Manson book. Yeah. And they were like, Oh, you can't have cursing in the title. And now every self-help book. Yeah. No, whoever like, told you that ought to have his yeah. uh, <laughs> ass raised. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, no. But the other thing I wanted to say with the Duncan thing is, I have uh, an awesome friend and she she's one of the most, you know, enlightened people I know. She's so chill. She's great. She's in Austin. And I told her, man, comedy's going better than it's ever gone. I'm getting the biggest gigs, the material I'm writing, the, the best, it's the most honest, blah, blah, blah. And and I was like, ah, but like, I started, I, 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 I haven't smoked cigarettes since I was 22. And I started kind of socially smoking at clubs and not getting drunk, but having a drink or two, which again, for normal people isn't bad, but I'm a person of extremes where I'm either just doing jujitsu and waking up at five in the morning and purely healthy. And, and she goes, well, how do you feel? I go, honestly, like, I don't want to be a smoker, but I've been having fun. And she just said, there's a season for everything. And I thought mm. that was such a beautiful way to put it where it's like, yeah, if you are again, being self-aware and if you're sort of following the the path you're supposed to be on, you'll feel when you need to stop. And I felt like I needed to stop with cigarettes. And, you know, I just went to Maui for five days, 
wasn't even tempted. Now I'm doing shows tonight. It will be far more tempting, but it, it was just one of those things where I've never let myself fully, I've had such shame with so many different things that I've never let myself Mm -hmm. just fully Mm -hmm. commit to something and just be like, you know what? This is a night where all the other comedians, they're having a drink and they're smoking cigarettes. I'm just going to do it without hating myself. And then the next day I'll wake up and I'll go do jujitsu and train. And, you know, I'm, my cardio is not as good if I'm out all night smoking, but it, <laughs> probably not. Everything else has just sort of been self-correcting by just letting it be. And again, you don't want to do the spiritual bypass thing, but also like Ramdas says, you don't want to do the horny celibate thing. Cause I'll tell you yeah, right, when I'm trying to be right. celibate, that's the time I'm like, maybe I should call that crazy X back just cause I'm <laughs> so fucking pent up as opposed to when I'm just letting myself be or flirt back or, you know, gave someone my number in Maui or whatever. It's just sort of fun and I'm not overthinking it, mm. but being like, I have to be celibate or being like, I have to find this person and on dating sites all day. I don't know. I think both of those can lend itself to, to go in a negative direction. Okay. So the, the, the key to it all from my point of view, after doing all this stuff for years and years is as far as meditation or any practice, let's call it practice, any practice you do or you stop doing or you start again or whatever your relationship to it is and everything else you're doing from work to relationships to family to all of it, every one of these things is you are in relation to something Mm, and somebody. And uh, the idea that you of mindfulness but not the judgy mindfulness not the not the the guy that's a gal that's up there with the eye that's usually around uh here's my story and i believe it entirely in fact i believe every damn thought that i have okay that's not the perspective the perspective is ram that's why ramdas's thing of getting out of your head and into your middle of your chest you know the deepest part of yourself through the middle of your chest and breathing in and out of there hopefully several times a day to just get that present yeah. from there you see your motivations without judging them so they have a chance to dissipate yeah you see the jealousy the anger the all of it and it's not like it goes on but there's a different place from which it goes on as from day to day to day. And yeah. that place is a place where it can um, self-ignite yeah. and stop being the controller. You know, if you think you're doing this, which is what we all think we're doing it, mm-hmm. you know, you are lost. And so that is the, that's the crux to yeah. me of spiritual path. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, so many people listening to this deal with depression or anxiety and being able to get in your body and get around those stories helps so much with depression. Because, I mean, I know people who even, they start reading self-help books or they start listening to spiritual podcasts or they start meditating. And then when they get depressed or pissed off in traffic, they get even more mad at themselves because they go, well, I guess this isn't working. You know, like I I remember the the first time I read about positive thinking, this is a true story that sounds like a joke and I wish it was a joke. I was reading about positive psychology or positive thinking or some like Joe Dispenza, Tony Robbins shit. Hmm. And 
I couldn't think positive. This is when I was like spiraling. I was so depressed. And suddenly I'm walking around my house going, just fucking think positive. Stop being such an idiot. Like you're such a piece of shit. Just say something positive. And I'm getting mad at myself for not being able to think positive. And, you know, I think people do that a lot. They go, you know, this is the book that's going to save me, The Power of Now. And then it doesn't right away. And they go, well, fucking I'm doomed. Or these Ram Dash YouTube clips or you know, what, what meditation, whatever it is. Um, and if you can just take that second to breathe and not identify with the emotion, like you were saying. So today, for example, this last month, I went from this breakup rock bottom to the happiest I've ever been. E- 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 easily the happiest I've ever been. The most confident, the most gigs I've been getting. I'm being the most honest and vulnerable about, you know, the stuff I've been through on podcasts, which is Mm. leading to more fans. I'm getting hit up by more girls, but I'm confident to say no instead of being like, let's move in. And (laughs) it's just, everything is great. Um, Mm. My friend, Adam, he runs this thing called uh, Flow State Micro. He's been helping me with with microdosing and, and, and with coaching. And I just feel rock solid. My writing, my jiu-jitsu, me as a friend, as a brother, mm-hmm. as a, a son, all this stuff. With that said, today I'm driving and I go from I'm microdose, in, enlightened, I love everyone, to I just, I, I sound like my dad suddenly. I'm getting cut off and I'm like, what's this fucking asshole thing? Like I'm just, I feel it. I feel that old New York anxiety-ridden Jamie coming out. And if I, the old version of me would have totally identified with it. Well, I guess not even psilocybin can help me, or I guess, you know, all mm-hmm. that happiness was bullshit, or here we go, it's all going to come crumbling down again. But when you can take that second to breathe, which a lot of people learn from meditation, which again, I have not been doing, and just go, okay, wait, wait a let's back up. No meditation, literally for everybody. We all can do it. We actually, we're coming out with a new app and you'll be able to get in there and Ramdas be here now, oh, be ooh. here now at three o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. Oh my God. Uh, so no, but it's a, it really is only about just sitting quietly for a minute. Forget this grand thing of yes, meditation, yes, sitting, yes, just, yes. just sitting quietly. And okay, I, I just feel like if I was a little more present, I'd, I'd be a little bit happier. And you're sitting quietly and you go literally to the middle of your chest and take three deep breaths yep. in and out. That's and it. then suddenly you'll find yourself, wow, and okay, there's he, a real spaciousness suddenly. There's a presence. I'm not chasing the bullshit in my head. I'm not judging anything. That, if several times a day, makes a huge difference. A hundred percent. Nothing to do with formal meditation. No, and it also lets you, I'm very solutions oriented. And it lets you just kind of figure out what's going on where I took a couple of deep breaths when I was driving because I didn't like how I felt. Mm. And I literally just went, wait a sec, dude, you were traveling for 24 hours. It's 2 a.m. in Maui and you're driving to the gym right now. So you're falling asleep. To make up for that, you've had too much coffee. That's giving you anxiety. Uh, <laughs> and and, and you're, even though vacation was great, I was, you know sustaining myself off plate lunches three times a day and I wasn't working out and I was with my family who just triggers me every second. (laughs) And that's why I'm feeling that way. So then I got to breathe and go, this isn't me. I am not depression. I am not anxiety. I'm not even the person screaming at this car right now. I'm just 
I just got to, my body's got to recover. I got to get some sleep it's and then okay. I'll be back tomorrow. We're human. That's, that's, what that's another is. great mantra, by the way. It's okay. We're human. We're doing the best we can. But remember, and we are taking, but this is the, you know, because the, the spiritual bypass can happen at the subtlest of levels. The shit that you tell yourself. Thoughts and prayers, it, right? Yeah. But if you just a little bit of honesty and humor and at the same time, yeah. You, you, intention to grow into a place where you're not at the mercy of these thoughts and these motives and these emotions. Well, and the reason I'm, I'm really glad you said that is because a lot of times when you don't examine why am I feeling this way, people will just kind of give up and you go, all right, I guess I'm depressed. I mean, I used to identify one of my, Hmm biggest qualities I identified with is like, I'm just depressed or I'm just the fuck up. I mean, hence like the name of the podcast. And when you stop (laughs) doing that and you start to see, oh no, I was just going through hard stuff or I was doing the best I could, or I'm working on getting better or whatever. It helps so much. I think where people get into that spiral where they, they feel like they can't dig out is when they're only identifying with that negative feeling because they don't take the second to be present to go, no, man, I just, you know, of course I was depressed. I just went through a breakup and I, you know, lost the place I was living and I moved across the country with it. You know, that is a hard thing. And then once mm-hmm. you go, oh, I'm dealing with this hard thing. What if I deal with it with a little more confidence or what if I deal with it a little braver or what if I deal with it? And then you start to see results from that. You go, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not depressed. I was just, I went through a hard thing and now yeah, I'm thriving. Right. That, and that's the, it's okay. I'm human. That's it. And uh, there's nothing that stays the same. Uh, I have a great thing uh, I want to share with you. Yeah, please. Um, Perfect timing, really. I did a podcast. It's not out yet, actually, with a lama. Her name is Lama Tsomo. She's an American lama. Wonderful, wonderful person. And I think uh, she has a book coming out in the near future. And... One of the things that she brought up was the the way in which almost universe, not almost, universally, we have this really bad opinion of ourselves. We are <laughs> shitheads. Okay, yeah. my we inner are, dad. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, all of us. You know, I, we even I just was talking with Krishnas the other day about Ramda, an exchange he had with Ramdas about this, where they laughed about it. You know, that's the one thing, by the way, in all of this, the sense of humor about Save your me. predicament is... Save me. Yeah, it, exactly. Anyhow, so there, there's this great Tibetan Lama. His name is Mingjur Rinpoche, who I've done a couple of podcasts with, who is extraordinary, heard, yeah. absolutely extraordinary, and, and from uh, an incredible family, his... His father, Tulku Urgian Rinpoche, wrote a book. I think it's called Brilliant Something. you got to read that book, Jamie. Okay. Because then you'll get realized. You'll be yeah, enlightened. Yeah. That's all I need. That's going to be the book. That's time. it. That's That'll it. Fake. And if it doesn't, uh, I'm a piece of shit. No, if it doesn't, you call me <laughs> and say, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair, fair, fair. It's all the same. <laughs> Anyhow, so they were talking about... Um, you know, uh, the idea that we in the West, in particular, uh, shall we say, have really rotten opinions about ourselves, right? Yeah. And so um, he, she had this dialogue with Mingjur, and he's, or maybe it was with somebody else and he, she was quoting, but whatever. 
He said, I couldn't imagine what his Western students were talking about on that subject, of how, you know, we really were horribly judgmental about who we were as people. He was determined to find out because he felt that without truly understanding this in his bones, he wouldn't be able to help those students connect with the Dharma. So he decided to cultivate a bad opinion of himself. <laughs> Just think, this is the, this is the man, <laughs> this, this is the Lama who was, uh, when Richie Davidson and these other neuroscientists started experimenting um, with uh, meditation and where it, you know, what happened and the kinds of absorptions and so on, Mingjur was one of the first subjects. The and idea- they... He blew their mind because they said, okay, can you get into a compassionate vibration, whatever, however they said that. And they said, he said, okay, yeah, boink, he was there. They said it would take people like hours that were practice meditators to get to that place. So this is who this man is. The idea of having to think about something negative, like I could, if you were like, say something, the rest of the podcast, I could just list off negative things about me. The idea there you go. go. I know. Give me a minute. I got to go to a quiet room. Strange on that one. Okay. (laughs) That's just not true. Anyhow. So, so he thought, okay, I got to work on this, right? Yeah. So first he grilled some of his top Western students to find out exactly where the negative opinions came oh from and how God. they were. Everywhere. Then Everywhere. In, every day in meditation and in between, he focused on his faults and shortcomings. Okay. He told himself that because of these, <laughs> he was intrinsically worthless. Yep. <laughs> he gave himself all kinds of similar negative messages. Oh. One day, he realized that he was feeling little love for himself. Not much at all. Oh boy. He felt rather depressed. Then uh-huh. he thought, yay, now I get it. I don't like myself now. How wonderful. Now that's compassion. Needless to say, he resumed his usual practices and came back to his usual joyful state. Um, So the moral of the story is start with love and affection for yourself. Oh, man. And by the way... um, yeah, please. Uh, in, uh, we'll have in the show notes links to Mingyur Rinpoche, the, the other. The, you see, the you, he was in Nepal. Actually, Krishnas and I talked, chatted with him, and it was like perfect reception. It was unbelievable. Yeah. But the joy, the, this man is like joy. You know, the, <laughs> and he went in there and did that to himself the for New York, us. The New Yorker in me hears that story and just goes, ah, fuck that guy. Fucking <laughs> being so happy. I mean, that's incredible. And you're right. We. We torture ourselves more yeah. than anyone could torture us. Even when you are being antagonized, they are just hitting nerves or solidifying stories that you have in your head. And that is the the beautiful thing about humor. And the more I've been throwing myself back into stand-up, especially when there's so much horrible stuff going on in the world, it has been so powerful and so cathartic to me. You know, I think a lot of people, especially when they hear very like offensive comedy, quote unquote, they think it's making fun of, you know, bad things. And it's really not, uh, uh, I mean, bad comics will do that. Sure. But for the most part, it's, you know, I got into comedy because of trauma. It's not that I, you know, saw George Carlin and was like, Oh, that's what I want to do. It's, you know, if you have a funny friend, that funny friend has a lot of baggage. You know, I, I feel like you don't get good at, uh, fucking or being funny 
without trauma. Period. <laughs> like, I don't know about when, that. When, when people are like, hey, how do you structure a joke? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like an alcoholic mom. Like literally that when I remember <laughs> joking with my my brothers, it was always, and that's my first memory of humor is me and my brothers. It was always something really heartbreaking happened. And we would sit around and we would be crying or trying not to cry. And the first person who made a joke, and it was always an offensive joke because what was happening around us was horrific. We would suddenly start laughing so hard. I mean, this week on vacation, we were laughing about the darkest stuff that all of us have been through. Divorce, alcoholism, you know, you name it. And we are, I mean, I was laughing to like, I've hung out with the most famous comedians in the world. And this is the hardest I laugh because it's so cathartic and it breaks you open in a way that nothing mm. else can. Now, if you're using humor as a defense mechanism and you're never actually going to grapple with the real situations, okay, that's not great, right? But if you can use humor to laugh at yourself and laugh about the trauma and sort of <sighs> breathe easy, yeah. once yeah, that happens, that's why I always talked about politics. Once that happens, you can start actually coming up with solutions, you know, like... I've started going on some more right-wing shows and I'm very liberal. And, you know, a lot of people, I think even people close to me will get upset if I go on these right-wing shows. But the reason I do it is I, you know, a lot of times the left, we, we're, we're very happy. I'm sure this term has never been used on this show, uh, jerking each other off in an echo chamber. And for me, if I can go on these right-wing shows and I can make them laugh, and still talk about things I care about, still talk about a woman's right to choose, still talk about Black Lives Matter, still talks about, you know, uh, the, the, what happens. I mean, shit, I went on Glenn Beck's show and talked about Palestine. Um, and no, really? Yeah, of course I did. And I got so many messages from people saying, hey, I don't agree with you, but you were really funny or I'm glad you're willing to talk to someone who disagrees with you or whatever. Now, do I think that me going on a right-wing show you know, some conservative family is going to go open up like a mom and pop abortion shop or start marrying gay people. <laughs> like probably not, but it's mm. enough for them when they go, oh, all, all liberals are these preachy assholes, whatever. Maybe one of them goes, I don't know, man, I heard this one comic and he was cool and you should check them out. And then they start following me on Instagram and now I'm talking about depression and they go, oh shit, I have depression too. And then maybe when I do post something about gun control or about whatever, they're willing to have a dialogue, you know, and I've found that uh, a, a lot. And so humor, one, can be really great to deal with your own trauma, but also to bridge um, these gaps we have. And right mm -hmm. now, I know we're more divided than ever and mm -hmm. people don't want to talk to the other side because they're either just like, you know, you're a Nazi or you want to cancel everyone or they think these extreme whatever. Mm -hmm. But man, I think it's more important than ever to talk to people who disagree with you, not online, but in real life. And yeah, man, humor is a huge way. When you can make, every time I'm talking yeah. to a conservative, if I can just make fun of yeah. me first and they yeah, go, oh, exactly. he, it's huge. Yeah. Um, well, in the film Becoming Nobody with uh, Ram Dass, yeah. uh, and at one point he's asked by the director, well, what's the most important advice or things that one can do on on the path right uh to advance our cause and he said love and humor oh love and humor and Jeez. if he's and you know ramdas said many many a time 
that it, taking yourself seriously is the first item at the top of the list, uh, alongside of you know the realization of the the way we talk to ourselves. You right. wouldn't talk to your friends like that, you know. Right. So that what I just said, the whole Minja Rinpoche thing, where he didn't understand that in the Western right. mind, <laughs> and right. he actually found it out by cultivating it. So that shows one other thing, though. It, what you cultivate is what you get, okay? Right. So, you know, again, the bypass thing about, I'm not going to do any spiritual, I'm not going to meditate anymore, because it was just giving me, I should, 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 and I'm not going to should, should anything. On the other hand, that can be a little sidestep. And, uh, well, you know. I- and check this out. It's, you know, when that sounds I sounds wa- so preachy and fucked up. No, no, no. I love it I because when I, when I wasn't doing stand up, part of the story I told myself, it's like, that's not spiritual. And you look at, you know, what Ramdas said, I was like, oh, I'm in, I, I mean, I sounded like a, an old dad from the 1920s. I'm like, oh, I'm in nightclubs and they may play jazz music. And, you know, it was, I was like, I have to meditate and I have to read these books and blah, blah, blah. Whereas, no, going out and making people laugh, actually, it is a very spiritual thing. And, you know, I mean, I remember when I had Pete Holmes on the podcast and we talked about Ramdas being funnier than mm. the comedians we know and how important, I mean, that was why he was the spiritual teacher that I was Lenny to Bruce first. of spiritual rap. Well, that is Ram a does. great way to put it. I've never yeah. heard that. Yeah. A hundred dude, a hundred percent. And again, following these, these signs, you know, and, and being open to them. And that's another reason being present is, it's so important, you know, like I'm pretty sure you've told me that quote or I've heard you say that on a podcast before, but I wasn't, I was so determined to not do comedy. I just ignored it. But when you can just like let go and be like, hey, just just be guided to what you're supposed to do. Just say yes yeah. to the things that your gut tells you to, even if you're a little nervous. Intuition is a huge deal. Is. Trust and intuition is always top of my list. Hey, uh, we're getting close here. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, because... You are very much a Renaissance, yeah, person. Yeah, I do and all the things that a girlfriend from sports to relationships with. that you yeah. know to fundamental farms, fundamentalist yeah. farms to <laughs> comedy. You got it all going, but you also play music. I do, and that's what you know. We got back in touch. We we stay fairly good in touch, but yeah. Um, yeah, you're just tell me what you're doing with, yeah. um, with your music part of your career. Well, so career life, whatever. Um, so essentially I, what I, I've always, I've always wanted to play music. Um, I played in a band before I did comedy. The only reason I do comedy is because my band all, I remember we had this big gig for us, which was we played in front of 50 people in New Jersey and we like opened for a band who opened for Blues Traveler. And I was like, we made it, we made it boys. And I had, it was just like a jam band and we would just smoke weed and listen to Fish a lot and then mm-hmm. do a bad version of that. And uh, I remember I gathered everyone in the basement and I was like, we got to talk about tour and, and merch. And they were like, we have to go to college. We have to go to college. And I was like, what? And I was kind of left by myself and I couldn't sing, but I knew I wanted to do art. I'd already, I dropped out of high school. And so I started doing stand up. essentially, this is the saddest origin story ever uh, because no one could uh, leave me. And so I started doing comedy just by myself. And 
maybe about eight years ago when I went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, I was kind of doing more, the, the comedy was fast. It was very ranty. And I would start to have musicians come up on stage with me and just improvise, just play along with me. Hmm. Um, and then I, 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 I did some, I opened for some bands. Like I opened for Talib Kweli, the rapper. I opened for Bad Religion, the punk band. And, um, you know, did some stuff. Musicians always were really drawn to um, my style of stand-up. And so what I always wanted to do was do it behind a band because, you know, sometimes with comedy, you have a lot of serious points you want to make, but you have to just be funny, funny, funny. Sometimes when you're trying to make serious points, you want to make a joke. And I was kind of figured, well, if it's behind music, it's just poetry, essentially. Mm. And the jokes, I never wanted to do jokey music. Jokey music was always like in comedy clubs. It was always a kind of shitty guitar player and a kind of shitty comedian. And he would put together song parodies. And then, you know, you have a kind of shitty music act. The the musical acts that I love were people who you could watch fully as a musician because they're so good at music or fully as a writer because they're, what they're saying is good. And, um, so that's what I did is, you know, I got O'Teal, uh, who you've interviewed from Dead and & Company and the Allman Brothers, and um, this guy named Eric Harlan, this drummer who used to play with McCoy Tyner, Coltrane's piano player. Mm. And then my friend Chris, who's in this like giant like metal hardcore band called Under Oath. And we just put together a couple songs. Um, you know, one of them was about... Uh, the January 6th catastrophe and sort of about, you know, me growing up as a white kid. And the one I sent you is all about not finding God through religion, but finding it through humor and sex and psychedelics and nature um, and music. And we're going to start releasing the tracks kind of one by one independently as a band called light scale. Um, Mm. so it's not out yet, but we're going to release that God song, the religion one first. Um, we just waited. O'Teal has had some like, uh, family stuff. And so I I wanted to wait for him, uh, that he's posted about publicly. Um, I wanted for him to, to feel better before we released Mm. it. And, and that's it. I mean, it would be cool a dream of mine to be able to combine the, the the stuff that I talk about with substance, with poetry, with music, with comedy. And to me, even the punchlines, instead of it, again, being joke songs where they're like song parodies or whatever, to me, the punchlines just kind of hit like a high note in a guitar solo. You know, you just kind of use it as an accent, but it's not comedy clubby, if that makes sense. Comedy clubby. It it's not like sense. like like but dum bum punchlines, yeah. you know. <laughs> um I uh I'm doing a, I am gonna be doing another a, I keep talking about podcasts that I'll be doing in the future. There's a uh, a man I was introduced to named Richard Wolf, who is okay. uh all about music and mindfulness. I mean it's a he wrote a book that uh, we're going to talk about. It's called In Tune, Music as the Bridge to Mindfulness. And there's one great part in it that just falls in line with what you're talking about. Um, uh, you know, the way in which through music you transcend that me, me yep. guy. Yep. Right? And uh, I had a, I've told about a billion times. Nobody wants to hear it anymore. John Coltrane, baby, John here Coltrane. it comes. <laughs> and that I that eradicated my little guy self immediately, 
And uh, so he quoted uh, Bruce Springsteen, who I, of course, love Bruce. Uh, uh, he was interviewed by The New Yorker, and he says, performing music was a vehicle for, I love this, self-erasure. Oh, that is like the high Buddhist concept of emptiness, emptiness of me, me land. Self erasure. Wow. He said it was so hard for him to live with himself, but when performing, he he could disappear. And of course, I've been to many of his concerts, and that's what happens into his audience and rise up and vanish into the music. That's it. That's it, right? That's it. And yeah. And so. Well, I uh, now I'm, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to go all the way back to the story in the beginning, the farm in Hawaii. Yeah. Yep. Because I never said how, uh, uh, I mean, we just understand that, say, the people there were sort of still polarized very much in terms of believing the projection and the separateness in the projections of separateness. Let's just say that that's a kind of a general way. Um, and, uh, I happened a a number of years ago, I went not to the farm, but to a convocation and cause my friend invited me and said, you know, that I would love it because I do love, I mean, chanting kirtan is a huge method for, for us that were in India at the time. Obviously, Krishnadas, many of you know him. If there's anybody who doesn't know Krishnadas who's listening or watching this on YouTube, write to me at info at ramdas.org. I'll send you a song. I've been doing this for years. Did I tell you once, um, when I was living in Arizona, I... I plugged in my electric guitar and I just started playing along to his stuff. And a neighbor came upstairs no. to literally be like, went to some retreat in however long ago with Krishna Das mm. and was like, it brought me to tears, like hearing that music. And mm. I mean, it's, it's so power. It was like my soundtrack when I was, uh, that was over COVID. Oh really? Well, yeah. yeah. No. Uh, yeah. All that's true. Anyway. And the thing is one of the mantras that, that he does is, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, which is known in India as the Maha Mantra, and uh, the great mantra, the great kirtan vehicle, shall we say. Yeah. And I went to this convocation, and, and I had that experience, totally. And I would kid people and say, yeah, I think I'm going to shave my head and have that little top-notch kind yeah. of a deal. And, um, and I want to do it, that from the movie Airplane. That was yeah. like all I, <laughs> that was my basis of knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, you know, the truth is so weird because there is truth in the fact that you don't have to get too far out trying to, you know, practice all the different uh, traditional philosophies from mystic different mystic traditions you know reading all the books chasing all the teachers doing every going to india all of it uh but that mantra yeah is is a transforming thingy yeah and uh regardless of the polarity of people's vision about you know their sect and their this and their that and, even and, yeah you know 
even because when I because it you lose yourself. That's, that's the what point. It is. When I when I was at the farm and I was like, this is too intense for me. What am I doing? You know, what am I running from? Blah blah blah. And and I was I was scared. Um, their son, who I was still very close with, gave me beads and was like, hey man, even if you're not into this stuff, even if you're not into the scripture, just hang on to these. Mm. Do the do the mantra. And I would walk down to the ocean and do it kind of on my own time in my own way. Mm. And it was fucking great. It was mm. great. Of course yeah. it was, you know? Yeah. And so I think you really can take it. It's Bruce Lee, right? Bruce Lee essentially developed. He was the first mixed martial artist because he was sick of these static styles where it's, if you're a Kung Fu guy, you have to just do Kung Fu. If you're a wrestler, you just have to wrestle, blah, blah, blah. And he started combining things. And his big quote was, you know, take what is useful, disregard what is useless, add what is your own. And you should do the same thing with religion, with spirituality, with, you know, mm. you're allowed to hear mm -hmm. Ramdas say something and be like, I don't love that. And still love Ramdas. You're allowed to, you know, like the chanting and not understand any of the Krishna stories. That's me. Um, you're allowed to, you know, love that Jesus hung out with sex workers and wanted to help the poor. And then you hear the people in the news, politicians who claim to be Christian and go fucking gross, dude. That's not what I am. That's not the kind of Christian I am. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful thing. And that's, I think, how we can all develop our own spirituality. You know, we're put in such boxes when it comes to, occupation, when it comes to politics, when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to religion, that we just feel like if I don't agree with everything that, you know, the liberals say, I, I have to be a conservative. I'm not allowed to be. No, no, no. You're allowed to, you should do the things that make you feel good, that enable you to be a good person, to help other people. And, you know, it's sometimes you're going to be getting from a bunch of different places and that's fucking okay. Yeah. It's, yep. No, it's all okay. And then at the same time, it's all true that there is a one thingy inside us yes. called the guru. God, guru, and self are one. Yes. And that whatever you, you know, that divine presence and the transmission that hits all of us does hit all of us yeah. and does connect with us in a very personal way. So that's as true as, as the other thing is true. Totally. But let's close with the Dalai Lama who yeah. said his holiness, who's the greatest human on earth. Does he have a One podcast we need to plug? Uh, <laughs> boy, I thought you were, will he be on the podcast? If he moves to Austin, uh, he will. You'll, uh, you'll, uh, yeah. sure. I'll get him on. Anyhow, you know what he said? What's up? Kindness is my only religion. It's so good. Okay. That's, that's it. And that's the bottom line. That's it. If that's not happening, it doesn't matter how much you're meditating or not or jumping up and down and doing yoga, whatever you're doing, breathing in and out a billion times, doing a million prostrations at, you know, in Bodh Gaya where the Buddha was enlightened. It doesn't matter. So really. Oh, uh, how many times have you heard someone yell at a coffee barista while still holding their yoga mat? And you're like, oh, <laughs> you're doing this wrong. You're doing it wrong, but I can't judge you because then I'm doing it wrong. But also I want to judge you. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. Just don't be a dick. Just be nice. That's it. You're, <laughs> That's you're, it. You're, you're That's totally it. Right. That's it. You're totally right. Oh, great to have you here, Jamie. Thank you. I'm glad you. we did this on the uh, holiday weekend. Memorial yeah, Day in 2022. 
Oh my god, it's crazy! Uh, thank you to everybody. If you guys want to follow the 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 music isn't out yet, but it will be all over my social media. If you want to follow me on Instagram at the Jamie Kilstein or Twitter at Jamie the Kilstein. wait wait at it's, the, it's the Jamie Kilstein. Jamie Kilstein, I think was taken. Uh, so at oh. the Jamie Kilstein on Instagram, just Jamie Kilstein on Twitter, and then the podcast is a fuck up sky to the universe. But yeah, Maybe I would should... love to hear from your people. Yeah. Um, we'll put all that in the show notes, everybody. You'll yeah. you'll be um, and and some of the other books that we've been talking about, yeah. and some of the other um, whatever. All the and connections I, will be. I, I appreciate your friendship so much and your podcast, and it, it's really Thank important, you. especially in times like this. And I'm sure I'll call you after my next breakup. I'm staying single for a while. This <laughs> okay, is the goal. Good. We've seen on good. comedy. Bring it back. Uh, but yeah, I, I appreciate you so much, bud. Oh, same here, Jamie. It's it's always a fun love fest just having yeah. a real conversation. So yeah, I, for sure. I enjoy, I enjoy. Everybody, this is Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com. Take advantage of all the different teachers, thought leaders that we have up there. We have Alan Watts now. You know, know that for the last year and change. Um, and... Uh, yeah, we're just adding. We have a psychedelic podcast with Madison Margolin now that I love. It's Ooh, really I have not great. listened to yeah. that yet. Yeah, please I'm gonna check do. that out right away. Check the microdosing has like saved my life. <laughs> I'm gonna check oh, that out. Yeah. Really? Okay. Well, next time we'll talk about microdosing. Hundred percent. You got it. All right. See you next time. See you, everybody. <laughs>